in the blink of an eye, all of a sudden, all this stuff clicks. Well, that's how God works. And this is what I can say looking back over 60 years. My whole life has been this, nothing, 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 bam. Was there anything in you that was like, man, he needs to learn this lesson to never give up, or he needs to, Well, I was know. brought up that way. So, like, my parents would have made me go and say, hey, I just don't like it, and it, it crushed me. And you called me out for, like, looking down, remember? Like, uh, looking melancholy. Oh, okay, yeah. Remember this? Yeah, I, I think wanna, so. Now that we're a few years back, I'm gonna get some context. I don't know where it was now. Okay. But you said we're gonna have, you know, we're gonna have a, a church here, and it's gonna be a Christian school here. Yep. Now, be honest with me. How how much did you believe that was gonna happen? I, I saw it. You'll never see it if you don't see it before you see it. I saw it. Okay. Now, next question. Seven years in, you're getting beat up. Oh yeah. You lost everybody. Right. How hard was it to still say that? Once you see it, you never you can't unsee it. It's easy. You just got to see it and go. Well, that's embarrassing. I have a special guest today. It's his birthday. Well, actually tomorrow. I know, but when we're uploading it. Oh, okay. So, Pastor Billy Van Camp, soon to be Dr. William Billy Van Camp. Something like that. Something like that. Um, yeah, because it's your 60th birthday. It's your big one. The it big 60. Big, big I was 60. Like, I still can't believe it. I know. 20 years in the ministry. So, I started when I was 40. So, 60. Seems like a, Seems like it went by pretty fast. Really? Yeah. It's incredible, yeah. And then to get my doctorate at 60 seems silly, but that's what happened. Why does that seem silly? Well, I was 40-something, 40 48 when I got my theology degree. So yeah. I'm just way behind everybody. Nah, I want to say, I mean, most don't even get that at all, ever. Yeah, so anyway, I'm a few years behind, but doing good. Excited about it. Yeah, yeah, I just wanted to talk to you a little bit. So mainly my audience is pastors, right. uh, missionaries, uh, people who want to take the Christian life seriously, that kind of thing. Right. Uh, my demographics are generally more on the 40 and below. Right. So just context for you there as you're talking, you're essentially just talking to me. Yeah. I represent my people. So I wanted to ask you just some questions about life and uh, ministry, all the things. And, um, yeah, I feel like I'm still, I still learn stories about your childhood. I'm like, oh, man, I didn't know you went through that. Oh, yeah. Mom yeah. told me a story this week. I was like, golly. Yeah, it was pretty tough. That's what I tell everybody. My, uh, I think I told you this the other day. You said, man, how did you make it to where you are, Dad? And I said, well, my work ethic outdid my ignorance. I was just ignorant. Yeah. But I worked hard, and I don't know if people know how big our church is or anything, but we do pretty good. And Yeah. You know, we're one or two or three in the whole state of Arizona size-wise. Mm-hmm. Um, over 100, I think 130 baptisms already, or last year, and I think we had 30 this month already. Mm-hmm. So we're growing. We're doing good, running a couple thousand, usually 1,500 and yeah. With online about twenty five, but uh, twenty years it took to get there. Right, it took a long time to get there. Thirteen years, like you, meeting in schools, mm-hmm. seven different schools for thirteen years. Tear up, set down, or tear up. You know, set up tear, chairs, tear them down. A lot of work. Yeah, but it's uh, like I said, I look back now, we did it. So yeah, God did it through us. Yeah, totally. So let's. Uh, I read this book called Decade by Decade. Um, last year. And I got 60 decades, so I should know this book. Well, that, that means you're 600 years old. Oh, that's... <laughs> six decades. Decades. Decade is 10. Yeah. You don't have 60 of them. You have six of them. Oh, I said six. Oh, I thought you said 60. No. 60 six. decades. See, I'm okay. a doctor degree. I we'll know run what I'm it talking back. about. We'll run back the yeah, audio. Yeah, we'll throw out see. the red flag on that one. <laughs> uh, yeah, so you have six of them. Uh, so uh, this one, we don't have to talk about all of them, but they say if you're under 10 children, that right. first decade, it's all about safety. You, you're asking, am I loved and am I safe? Right. And hopefully that's a quick answer of yes, good parenting. If not, you really are seeking that. Mine would be no. Okay. Now, I actually, I want to ask you about that. How are you, um, how do you, how are you able to share the story of your childhood without feeling like you're shaming your parents? Well, I don't really ever share it. No one's ever really heard it except mom. Okay. But I can use pieces of it as I preach just to bring the people in to let them know that I'm not much different than they are. But no one knows my whole story except mom. I don't know your whole story. No, you don't. I, and you can't, I mean, because you have to let things go. <laughs> gotcha. And it wasn't it wasn't uh, sexual abuse or anything like that. It was more physical and, and an emotional abuse. But, yeah. But, again, decade, that's mm-hmm. how it was when I was a kid. I'm not the only one. A lot of kids were like that. Mom yes. and dad both worked. I mean, it was hard to make it. The 60s and 70s, I mean, that's when everybody preached on the last days. Everything was falling apart. It was much like today. Right, yeah, we're kind of coming back. We are. And so we didn't have books. We didn't have internet. We barely had phones. And so it was just a different day. Yeah, because I just struggle with that because I, I try to share stories. 
I also have, and I don't think you can relate to this, but I do have that pressure of, like, I want to be real, and I think you're fine with me ever being real, but I'm also yeah. like, my dad's also a pastor in this area. Like, right. I don't ever want to make it sound like you ever did anything yeah. and bad that's, that's because I, I feel like that's yeah. dishonoring. Yeah, and my, I don't think my mom and dad, I mean, I guess bad is how you define it, but it was just different. Just human, right? It was hard. It was hard, yeah. Yeah. It was hard. Yeah, I just always find, where do you find that line of being relatable and knowing you do have a story, but also right. honoring your lineage? And, and that's not. my biggest thing, as I've taught you, I think honor and respect are my biggest things. Right. We have to honor people. Yeah. And we have to respect people. And that's, you know, mom and dad are number one. Okay, let's go with that then. I, we can put this to the side of the decades, because that's one thing I wanted to ask you about. Something I struggle with is, so I'm trying really hard to build an honor culture at my church. Right. One of the ways we're doing that now, um, I've learned this from you. You don't you don't just sit around and wait for it. You go out and do it, and you get it right. And right. You you become the leader. You don't just wait for other people to right. lead. Right. So, one way we've done that recently, I say recently, a few years now, before in our prayer time on Sunday mornings, we pick out one person and we honor them. Mm-hmm. And so we say, hey, look them in the eye. It's like we we too often talk good about people once they die. It's like yeah. no, say it to them in their face while yeah. they're living. Yeah. And so it's a really fun exercise. But still, and I wonder how much of this is my age and how much of this just, again, I don't, I don't want to feel like I'm talking bad about my church at all, but creating a culture where people honor staff and honor pastors is increasingly difficult today because we're not, you know, Papa, like you mentioned, he's a pastor and the whole room Everybody, changes. Yeah, yeah. Now it's like you're almost scoffed at or yeah. like you're seen as, you, you know, have to demand it and earn it, but you have to show it to get it. So there's a saying that I like to teach people about honor. The stream, let me back that up. The river will never rise till the streams come together. So I look at the people that are streams. Who are going to fill, and not just me personally, but who's going to fill God? Who's going to fill my church? There's some people out there that are never going to fill your church. And not that I don't honor them, but I don't honor them. I look at the streams that are going to fill the river that God has called me to. Like people of influence, you're saying? Well, just people. They don't even have to have influence. But most honorable people have influence. Right. So you find the people, again, just think of a stream. And once okay. it gets to the river, the river rises. So I pick out the people that are streams. So when you come to my church, what's the first thing I do? Pastor Trey's here. Right. He's bigger, stronger, smarter than me. And he's right there. Look, he's right there. Pastor Trey. Right. Every pastor, we have nine um, pastors in our church that are retired. Every Sunday, I honor them. Yeah. Because they're streams that are going to fill my river. And when I say my river, God's calling my life. Yeah. So where, where a lot of people go wrong is they, they, they pour into streams that will never fill your river, and then they get frustrated. Mm. Honor people, and then they'll honor you. You know the other thing I taught you? The people that you respect will come to you. The people that you disrespect will leave. Right. So it's a fine tune, man. And that's why I respect most people. I mean, really do. Yeah. And I honor those that have a stream that flow into my river. And so I kind of demand it, and you know that. I mean, people write me and say, hey, Billy. And I write them back and say, we don't have any Billies here. We have a pastor, Billy. Is that who you want? <laughs> I do. Because, hey, for 20 years, I've bled and died and cried for this church. Yeah, totally. And so I am Pastor Billy. Well, the way I've been, because I don't, I'm just so scared of ever falling into pride, right? So no, then I, know. I know. That's why I'm like, wow. But here's what's helped change my perspective. One of these days, I will hand this church off to somebody else. Right. Because it's a church plant, and by the grace of God, it's going to live well beyond me. Yeah. I want to set up that pastor well. I do, too. Where he is honored and not having to do this fight and treated like a piece of trash. Absolutely. I mean, we're going through that right now with my doctorate coming up. It's kind of a silly little joke around our house. It's like, what are they going to call me? You know? I mean, hey, a doctor degree is a lot of work, Mm -hmm. and it's a lot of results and a lot of things. And so... Doctor shows that you've done something. It shows a level of authority and respect. Right. And so we're dealing with that even at our church. We're going to be talking about that as a staff and as our elders and deacons meet. But it'll be what I say because you have to have a pastor that's a leader. Right. But I am a pastor and now a doctorate. Mm. And so people need to know that. I mean, and it bothers me with the younger generation that they don't care. Well, I'm just Billy. No, I'm not Billy. I am Pastor Billy. Mm. I've got the word and, you know, I mean... I have some charismatic friends, and I feel like they understand that more. They do. The anointing of the office. They do. And, uh, they do. And I'm a Baptocostal, so that's why I like it so much. Well, and here's what's interesting about you, though, that is different. So when I talk to people about that, about being seen as pastor, I hear people say, yeah, you can't be anybody's friend because you're their pastor. 
but you're so friendly. You know everybody. You know what's going on in their life. So yeah. how are you able to strike that balance? Well, that's just a gift. I don't know how I do that, to be honest with you. Because, but, but I don't have. I have very few close friends. Yeah, I, I get that very more few and more as I friends. do this. This seems really you have hard. to be careful of everything you say. But I, I don't know. God gifted me with a memory and with a, an ability to understand where you are and who you are in life, and I just get it. You yeah. remember people. I remember. I remember quotes and ideas. Like, yeah, I remember people, where they're from, their phone number, their address, what they wore ten years ago. I know all that. Right. Every time we go to a restaurant, for yeah. those who don't know him, we're. Add 15 minutes because he's going to see somebody he knows and yeah. talks to him. And, oh, we were friends in fifth grade. I don't yeah. remember my fifth grade teacher's name. Yeah. You remember the whole class. Right. But And I was also raised right here. And <laughs> right. So, yeah, yeah, that's just interesting. It's just weird. I also wonder if some of this, would you give me this, some of what I'm dealing with, you never pastored at in your 20s and 30s. No, I never did. I was 40 when I started. So I was already a successful businessman. I already had some stature. Mm-hmm. I already had, hey, this guy built a business and was doing well. Yeah. So they never looked down on me. But I, I will say that when I went to seminary, they looked down on me because I was an old guy with a yellow pad and a pen. Right. And all you guys had computers and were pretty smart. I am not the smartest guy. I just outworked them. Yeah. And you know that. I mean, yeah. when I watch your podcast with people, I'm ashamed <laughs> I'm so dumb. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I know nothing. But yet, I don't know. It's just different. We're different. Yeah. yeah. You're the very, very academic. I'm very, very relational. And yeah. you're relational too, but I'm extremely relational. It's just how we are. Yeah. What was, was Papa more you too? Oh yeah. Papa was just like kind of what I am. I mean, he, he had the same sermon every day. I mean, he never preached. He had right. one sermon and it was a good one mm-hmm. and he preached it around the world. It's just so funny. Cause I feel like I'm so different than both of you. And I'm always like, how did that happen? Yeah. That's what God, we needed a smarter guy to come along. <laughs> I don't know. doesn't seem to be. Very productive or helpful. Okay, so uh, good conversation so far. So safety. I want to honor you. I've always felt safe in the home. I always felt like I am loved. That's never been a doubt. I always was safe. I was talking about a story um, just the other day, and I thought I'd share it with you. For my sermon, I was talking about the day I quit, uh, the day I quit baseball. Oh, yeah. And which wasn't exactly the... Not my best day, right? Yeah, yeah, which I've been watching Diamondbacks lately and going, man, this is fun. I wish... And you were super good. You, I had a, uh, I was, I had the chance to sign out of high school mm-hmm. to play baseball. I could throw hard, and you threw better than me. So, your whole life, I'm like, Trey, if you're as better than me, and I could have made it to the, you know, yeah, I had a contract, the bigs, yeah, but you just didn't like it, hated it, I hated it, broke Hurt my, my arm. arm. I know. Uh, no, but so what I was sharing though, I'm reading a book on authority right now. So it's, it is a lot of the things in my head. And I think I was telling you that a little bit about Jonathan Lehman's book. Yeah. Um, but it talks about a different, th- this all ties together. So what I was grateful for seventh grade, I was at Queen Creek middle yeah. school where I am. Our church meets right now. Kind of cool. And I remember telling you, and it was the scariest day of my life up to that point that <laughs> I wanted to quit. It was during tryouts, right? Or I had just made the team probably in seventh grade. And I said, I don't want to go. I hate this. I hate this with all, like, I just can't do it. And so you were disappointed, but thought uh, what was interesting and helpful for me, and I think I'm feeling safe, is you went to the coach and you took care of it. Yeah. I always told you kids, if anything needs to change, blame me and I'll take care of it. And that's what you said. Blame me. We'll find a way to say this is my fault. It's the best way to raise your kids, I think. Yeah, how did, was there anything in you that was like, man, he needs to learn this lesson to never give up, or he needs to? Well, I was know. brought up that way, so like my parents would have made me go and say, hey, I just don't like it, and it it crushed me. It hurt gotcha. my spirit. It hurt my self conscious, and so I learned through trial and error to go instead of making trade do that, let let me take the hit, and that way you can keep your confidence level up and your self esteem. So that's why I just learned that the hard way. But at 31, you're going to yeah. be like, Trey, you're a big guy. Like, oh, yeah. You yeah. figure it out. Yeah, up to 18, I would have taken the hit. After that, you're on your own. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah it's interesting that you did that. I was thinking through. Yeah. Uh, but it, in that book, Authority, it says a, a good, healthy authority takes the blame like that, takes yeah. the hit. Yeah. Doesn't act like what you just did was great. But no, I'll take the blame to the public, Yep. and we'll just work this out in private. So yeah. that's right. I want to say thank you for doing that. Uh in the 20s, they say the so teen is all about self. Who am I? Right, you know, right. What 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 does any of it mean to me? But I want to jump to the 20s. So 20 is all about survival, according to this book. Okay. Can I survive in this adult world? Right. You had a crazy 20s, did you not? Uh-huh. 
I mean, tell you, me a little bit more. You about have to it. define crazy. I was. Um, I feel here's here's the, some of the highlights that I know of. You made a lot of money. Yeah, pretty quickly. Yeah, on my own, working hard. Yeah, you had a heart attack at twenty nine and a half. Yeah. Yeah, and when did you lose everything? Was that in your thirties or thirties? Okay. Yeah. So twenties. When you look back on that, you got married at twenty one. Twenty. Yeah, I think so. Twenty one, almost twenty one, twenty two, yeah. something like that. Yeah. Same as me. Yep. Yeah, worked hard. Uh, we lived in Circle G. If no one knows that, I mean, we were in a big custom home in our twenties. Uh, worked hard, had our own business, and did re- very well. Worked really hard though, enough to where I had a heart attack. A lot of stress, a lot of anxiety, a lot of uh, focus, a lot of employees, a lot of responsibility in my twenties. Okay, there's so much I want to talk about there. You just brought up. Do you know if it was an actual heart attack or was it a panic attack, attack like I had? And I thought it was, it was probably a, a panic attack because I passed out in the bathroom and just revved up. But it actually, because of it, I have a little hole now in my heart that I have to get checked out every six months. It caused some damage to my heart. Okay, because, you know, I wrote the book, Non-Anxious Pastor. Know, yeah. And, like, the impetus of it was, and I was scared because I thought I was having a heart attack. And I remember, oh, my gosh, I'm the same age that my dad was when right. he had his. Yeah, mine was caused by stress. It wasn't a physiological or a, or a, it was something that I brought on myself. Yeah. I was working, you know, 15 hours a day, never sleeping, going between three and four states, picking up work, just never stopped. So here's here's a more this is a deep question. Do you feel like some of your work ethic and just having to do that was because you weren't loved in a certain way as a child and you were like trying to find your oh, place absolutely. in this world? Oh, absolutely. 100%. 100%. Because my mom used to say, God bless my mom, I love her. But she'd say, you're worthless. You're never going to be worth anything. You're just mm. no good. You're just a no good. And so I thought, man, I'm just going to outwork everybody and show them. So, yeah, it is. And to this day, I outwork people. You know that. Yeah. I mean... I think it is to show it's kind of my worth, which is the wrong thing to do. I was about to say, have you found freedom from that, though, and knowing yeah, that you know, I mean, Christ loves you and you don't yeah. have to oh, work yeah. for it? I mean, I've slowed down a lot, as you've seen, but I'm still ready to go. Yeah. But, no, I've learned that. In fact, yeah, I've learned that. But that was it for in my 20s and 30s. It was like, look out, I'm going to conquer the world. Mm. They say the most successful people had the most troubling childhoods. Yeah. Man, that would probably be me. Yeah, because you, you find a drive. That yeah, I had a very good drive. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So survived. You survived pretty well. Yeah. Uh, it's always funny because I saw your roadmap of life. So I figured by the time I'm my age, I'd, I'd be in a Circle G Ranch ha- uh, house and all that. But that doesn't quite. Well, times are different, too. Yeah. Well, and I chose the career you chose at your 40s and not yeah. your 20s. Yep. Um, so in your 30s, it's all about success, which right. I feel that. So how successful can I become? Right. Do you feel like I almost feel like you've lived two lives. At least, right? Because because we're talking up to your thirties, ministry is not really in the. It's no, not even I was a conversation. A, I was a deacon, and I taught a significant Bible study class. Had a good. I, I knew the yeah. Bible very well. Mm-hmm. Studied the Bible a lot, but uh, absolutely zero would I've ever believed I'd be a pastor until I was forty. I had no idea. Mm. So my thirties, it was very intense, a lot of work, and it was a hard time in um, the economy. Uh, when I in my thirties, it was. It was rough. The whole America was in trouble, kind of like now. Gotcha. A lot of inflation. Um, in fact, it was 21%. Today, it's 7 or 8, and everybody's and we're panicking. freaking out, right. It was 21% then, and I had... Uh, Jeez. Yeah, I had millions out, you know, 2 or 3 million mm-hmm. in loans, and I was making 2 or 3 million. And anyway, it was rough. 30s were really hard for me. I wish... If I could erase one of my decades, it would be my 30s. Interesting. Yeah. Was it because of work life or parent life or what? I, th- I think it was work life. I mean, work was tough. I had too many employees. I was, it was just really hard. I remember you were telling me one time, so we don't have to go into the story, but mm-hmm. you lost everything. Yep, I and did. So that's when you really were like, okay, I'm just going to work 18 hours a day. Yes. So you said, I don't know how old I was, like three or four. You, you were really like, young, yeah. You're like, I never saw you for that year because I was just uh-uh. working. I just worked that whole year. And we wound up getting a house that next year, like you're right, mm-hmm. cash or whatever. Yeah. Like you were able to... Bounce back. Yeah. 3,000 square foot house on two acres. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I worked I worked enough to, I mean, we literally just put my head down and said, I told mom, I said, I'm going to work six days a week, at least 16 hours a day, and we'll go to church on Sunday. And we did that for a year. We were literally living in a car for a couple of weeks. Hmm. And then you were a little baby. Yeah. And we went from an 8,000 square foot house to a car. Hmm. It was tough. Yeah. Yeah. Really tough. But God's good and taught me a lesson. Yeah, that's good. Uh, um, man, I was going to go another direction with that, too. Yeah, so that was your 30s. Yeah, 30s were hard. That was your hardest decade. Oh, man. 
Absolutely. Just because of circumstance. Yeah, it was circumstance, and it was just life. Life was hard. Little, you know, we were raising babies, and it was hard. Yeah. Yeah. That's good to hear. Yeah. Maybe a really hard. And then 40s and 50s were, were a lot better, you know. And, of course, the ministry for 13 years at 40, I started. I don't want to skip ahead, but. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. 40s were tough, but because, I mean, I'm in the ministry. So now I have a full-time job, my own business. I have a lot of employees. I have a lot going on. I got seminary mm-hmm. every every afternoon from 1 o'clock to 10 o'clock at night, four days a week. And uh, so I had a church of 300, seminary, full-time job. It was really hard. Yeah. <laughs> That's now where my memory is because, you know, I was a. Right. You were getting older then. It was, 10, 11, Yep. 12. I'm missing games. I'm doing stuff because I'm always at school or I'm at church. I'm trying to keep the business going. Yeah. But I don't remember you ever complaining. Well, they didn't have time to complain. You just got to keep going. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I just feel like a lot of people now, we just complain. I'm like, I, I, I'm grateful for, again, the work ethic that you taught us yeah. because yeah. I never sit back and think, oh, this is hard. I should. It's just like, yeah, life is hard. I, I always expected it to be. Yeah, just get it done. They say M. Scott's Peck says that people who expect life to be easy, life is just unbearable for. Right. Those who know it's going to be hard, there's a lot of joy from it. Yeah. Like, well, just we had that. fun. We went and did not things. Shocked. And, yeah. We still had fun. We made sure that we had fun in life. and But it was it was a grind, but we did good. Okay, maker manager. So I heard that you listened to my podcast with Scott yep. Savage. Yep. Which you went to seminary with. I did. Right? He got an A and I got a, well, I won't say. <laughs> yeah. Uh, neither of you got a B, right? <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, no, so uh, maker manager. So a maker schedule is lots of blocked out time. Like I need four hours in the morning to make a sermon, to... You know, for me, write a book or make a video like a maker. Manager is boom, 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 touching here, touching there, scheduling with people, touching a lot of different. What do you think I fire. am? It's pretty obvious, I think. What are you? Manager. I don't ever make like a block of time. Yeah, that's true. Ever. I mean, except Tuesday mornings, except for, for Tuesday. like two hours. Tuesday mornings. Well, it's more than that. It's like four hours. Okay. But Tuesday mornings for four hours, I lock my door. Nobody can get to me. Is that a joyful part or no? That's just a part of the job. I love it because I know nobody can get to me. Yeah, it's good for me. Okay. I know that I have Tuesday. But you couldn't just do that. No. 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 My question is, you couldn't do that because you know it's just not feasible? Or like you just wouldn't even even if, you know what I'm saying? Even if you knew that this would, are you just a manager because you know it's what's most efficient? Does Probably. that make sense? I just, I have OCD and ADD and all the good stuff. In other words, I cannot sit still that long to, right. to go, I'm going to be here for two or three hours and do this. Because what takes you, I'm just, what takes somebody three hours takes me an hour. Mm-hmm. You know that. It's just weird. I get, I get anxious. I need to read your book again. But yeah, I blow through things that I know that I can get done. So you were wired. You have to be Bible. Oh, yeah, I'm just, and I'm still bivocational. We have one of the largest Southern Baptist churches in Arizona, and I'm bivocational. There's no reason for you to be, like, no. in the sense of, like, oh, this is because our finances are bad. No. Like, no. it's just. And we own a cabin, and, I mean, we're, you know. I feel like there was a there was a time in uh, your ministry where you went full-time, and it was, like, two years, yeah. and you were miserable. Miserable. You gained weight. You, yeah. you just did not like life, right? Nope. nope. Couldn't do it. Okay. Couldn't do it. I have to have something else to do. Gotcha. And out of minute, outside of ministry. Outside of ministry, too. You know, I like doing other things. Yeah. So if you were to describe yourself, what kind of pastor are you? Probably not very good. No, I'm saying, you know, like, there's like the thinker, the the writer, the... I think I'm the... I think I'm... Um, I almost had the word. Let me think for a minute. Visionary here. or... Well, I'm a great... You know I have vision, but I, uh, uh, great relator. I can just, I just know what you're feeling and what you're going through. So I know how to, I know my audience for some reason. It's like reason. you're the every man's man. Yeah, I'm, I'm a man's man, but I, I just get where you are and I can show you how to get out of that or get back into it. Which you wouldn't have had probably if you had a more stable, healthier childhood. Right, in some sense. probably not. Right. Probably not. But I, I'm not the thinker like you. I'm not the, uh, I'm the practical. You don't even like doing this a lot, which is funny to me. Uh-uh. Social media. Uh, yeah. being a face in front of a video camera too much. Yeah, I mean, I'm on every Sunday, but I don't I don't care for it. I remember, like, yeah, like, I was surprised. You were like, yeah, let's do a podcast, because I feel like it's always been hard to try to get you on here. Well, I just, um, when so I watch how smart me. you guys are, I don't have enough to say. 
Uh, when were you a model? Was that your 30s or 40s or when was that? 30s. I was the Wrangler jeans model and shirts and yeah, I was on TV a lot. That was your 30s. Didn't really enjoy that either. Gotcha. Yeah, didn't really enjoy that, but I was on a lot of TV. Oh man, my, you hear that? Where's my remote? I don't hear it. What is it? That TV back there is messing up and now it's showing another clip from camping. Everything's fine. It's just all messed up. My background. I got to fix that TV. Okay, so 30s is success. 40s is significance. So I'm successful now, but is my life meaningful? Am I bringing significance? Yeah. Do you think maybe that's why you shifted one I think reason it is. To, to ministry? I think it is. I, at 11 years old when I got saved, God gave me a vision of like, a, and back then, I don't know if you'll even know who this is, but Billy the Graham. I mean, who do you, of course, well, you guys are so young. I saw, a, a, I watched him a lot with my dad. I'd sit on my dad's lap and watch him. And at 11 years old, I thought I could do that. I'd like to do that. It's kind of a vision. Mm -hmm. And so at 40, when the God called me to, I was sitting in church and all of a sudden it was like me and Lisa mom looked at each other and went, did you hear that? We literally heard God audibly say, start a church in Queen Creek. Hmm. And it was like, all that came back. Like I can do this. And that vision kept us going through the hard times of ministry. You know, first 13 years, we weren't, we'd go to 300 and then drop down to 50. Mm -hmm. 300, 50. Three, every 18 months, we dropped down to 50. Every 18 months. Mm. People just, they were nice people, good people, but they couldn't take meeting in the schools, you know, setting up and tearing down and no place to call home and everybody would go somewhere else. And we'd start Don't talk over. about that too much. My people might be listening to this podcast. Well, yeah. <laughs> I'd say stay there because now look, you know, people that drive by that from the old days are like, wow, wish we would have stayed there. Wait, what do you mean? Well, people that had left, you know, we had oh, great friends. Oh, yeah, you could have been a part of this great yeah, work. If you, you could have been a part through. of this, yeah. I see. Yeah. But, yeah. It, you know, I some people are scaffolding. They're going to help you get your, you know, get to where you're in, and some right. people aren't. And it's just. Right. You just got to go with it. So another thing that we have. Uh, noticed in ministry is I don't know why I, ha I have a deep longing to be really good friends with our people and but it always is scary because it's so easy to get hurt and backstabbed yeah. and spoken about against and stuff yeah be careful on that you know I don't have I mean I have a few friends mm -hmm. that's about it I hang out with a lot of people and do a lot of stuff with them but to, when you say deep friend for me that's you have to be careful that's my wife you know and then everybody else kind of you have to be careful yeah I think some people, they think they have the maturity to withstand it, but they have no yeah, idea. Because when they do leave, it kills you. It's hard. Yeah. So you have to learn. But in my book, I say, in an effort to miss out on Judas the Betrayer, we in an effort to avoid Judas the Betrayer, we miss out on John the Beloved. No, we do. We do. But I think that's part of the, I think that's part of the price we have to pay. Mm. But I do. I, I'm friendly with a lot of people. I have a lot of really good friends. Yeah. But when you say really, really deep friends, it's, there's a, it's hard. Yeah. It's lonely at the top. It is lonely. Uh, okay, stride is the 50s. This is interesting. Stride is you begin to maybe wrestle and worry that am I over the hill? Did you ever feel that in your 50s? Because I feel like as far as success and ministry and stuff, it was still going up. Yeah, I mean, it's always in the back of your mind, like turning 60, you know, it's like, hmm, did I, did I do everything I could have? But my whole 50s were, I changed my whole attitude of planting seeds for my better tomorrow. So I really focused on in my 50s, what, how am I going to retire? How am I going to make sure mm. my kids are set? How am I going to make sure my ministry is set? How am I going to make sure? So I started planting little seeds that I knew would grow that when I hit 60, okay, now I can look back and go, okay, I've got this taken care of, that taken care of, that taken care of. Are your kids set? They, <laughs> it depends on which ones are nice to me. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, don't forget, I'm doing this podcast. That's right. So at 50s, I felt like we were successful because, we, you know, we did pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, vocational wise as far as business wise and plus our ministry but we're still planting seeds all the time for tomorrow and i think 50s really hit me hard on that hmm. i wish i would have done that in my 40s gotcha that's what i find it hard to even do in my 30s everybody's talking about oh, i'm like i'm just trying to make it still i know and, I, and, I, look, and okay? I have to remind myself that in the 40s I, with where we were i you know what else could you have done i, yeah. I did everything i could right but at 50 you 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 take a different angle and you make sure you're planting seeds. Yeah. You seem wet, like really wise with your investments and well, and God gives us opportunity. It's because yeah. of God's favor too. Yeah. You know, like that cabin in the background. Yeah. We got, got a nice cabin that, that the kids will enjoy. I hope one day. So, yeah, I was just there last weekend as you know. Um, okay. So maybe you didn't necessarily 
am I over the hill? I guess you're saying it, you 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 interpret it as like, okay, am I setting everybody else up? Am I being wise? Like yeah. investment. Yeah, and then I wanted to make sure I did everything I did. Like we went to Alaska a lot. Me flying, that was one thing that I wanted to make sure I did. I started when I was 25. Right. You know, and in the ministry, I was kind of afraid to fly. I thought that people would say, oh, he's, you know. In fact, there's a joke. One of my dearest friends, one of my good friends, he calls me Van Osteen. Right. Right, because I have a plane. It's just a little plane. It's not big deal but i've had it since i was 25 that 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 flying right part of my life right so as a pastor i still do that but now i can't like let anybody know i do that right does that make sense yeah i asked my i asked grandma one day i said hey you know because she's she's the tying piece of why i'm fourth generation right, right. she was the pastor's kid pastor's wife all yep. and she said the biggest thing i regret is Worrying about what people thought I when I bought something, or I, we right. never—they never enjoyed anything. They, they didn't, didn't even hide it. They just never had anything. That's right. Because fear of the deacons getting right. mad or whatever. Right. And that's why I love being bivocational. I love that in my past I made a lot of money and did good, but I still don't flaunt it. But I'm able to do other things, and I think that keeps you fresh in the ministry. Yeah. If all you're doing is ministry and you're never having any fun, mm. well, if you know, that's called a fundamentalist. You're not going to be any fun. Right. So I try to keep it fun and relevant and real. Hey, yeah. I'm just like everybody else out there. I want to do things that are that are great. Right. You know, you and me, we get up. A lot of times we get up and go have breakfast and, you know, hour away, Payson, Tucson, wherever. Which I could have done this morning. Yeah, I invited you. but Stinking sermon has to be prepped somehow. Yeah, sometimes a Saturday night special is just as good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's about just as memorable. Uh, yeah, I, I think the other thing, too, it's not like you're ever like, I need a Ferrari. I need, like, these no. high dollar. It's like, no, I just want experiences, yeah. things that are... Yeah enjoyable right. like a boat yeah. a plane yeah. cabin motorcycle <laughs> horses mules mules oh yeah yeah we're not we don't do horses anymore okay so now we're up to you feeling good yeah this has only been 32 minutes um now we're talking 60s is strategic and that's the i think turning 60 is the it's it's weird because number one you can't believe you're that old because when I was 30, 60 was really old. <laughs> but my case is, is a little bit different as well, and you'll understand this. Um, who's going to take over for me? So right now we have a, a church. We have a school. I got 300 kids in a school. Yeah. And I'm expanding that. Which I will say I remember Sandon Heights Baptist Church when we first launched. That was yeah. the name of it. Yeah, right down and the street from where we're sitting. Yeah, yeah, I run by it every day. And it was about a year or two in. We went into this random piece of land. Yep. I don't. I don't think we bought it. Right. It was more you're trying to cast vision. We want this piece of property. No, we bought it. I'm not talking about the one okay. right next to the school. Oh yeah. School. Okay. It was like some other. I don't know where it was now. Okay. But you said we're gonna have. You know, we're gonna have a, a church here, and it's gonna be a Christian school here. Yep. Now, be honest with me. How yep. how much did you believe that was gonna happen? I I saw it. You'll never see it if you don't see it before you see it. I saw it. Okay. Now, next question. Uh-huh. Seven years in, you're getting beat up. Oh, yeah. You lost everybody. Right. How hard was it to still say that? Once you see it, you never, you can't unsee it. It's easy. You just mm. got to see it and go. Well, that's embarrassing because I feel like it's been harder for me. Uh-uh. Well, dang. It's now just I'm time. Encouraged. It just takes time. Again, I had to learn how to pour into the streams that were going to fill my river. First 13 years, I didn't even know what that meant. I just, when I started, I was so confident. And then it's just been way harder than I thought. And it's like, well, shoot. and most pastors do this. And I know your audience is pastors. And I can say this because I'm the old man now. Most of us spend most of our time trying to prove ourselves. And that was me. I'll show you. And I was able to try to prove myself because I was bivocational, making a lot of money on the other end. So I could pour into the church and make it look like we were doing great when we weren't. I told you one day I sat down with the banker. I go, hey, I'm going to build this building. And he did my books. I was 80,000 negative. Which I don't even know how that's possible. But I don't either, but we were. <laughs> so uh, I had to bail the church out. It, it was bad. Yeah. And so, but here's what I'm trying to say. And so we try to prove ourselves. That's backwards. And so what we have to do is, number one, present ourselves. we got to be present. God, I'm here. I'm present. Yeah. Use me. And then we have to be transformed, and that's the part I skipped for 13 years. You have to be transformed to not be like the world, but to, to totally have faith. So presence of God, transformation, and then you'll be proven. Instead of me having to prove it, I now I let God do it. I don't even know how we got to school because gotcha. God just did it. 
Right. I mean, you know that. All of a sudden, we had a school and we had 300 kids. All of a sudden, we had the property. And all of a sudden, we had the, the property. And, the, and all, all of a sudden, that. we had millions of dollars to build everything. And I try to tell my people that they don't rem- they don't know. When I came back from CBU. We had to sell your truck to, to eat. Yes. And when I graduated CBU, I yeah. turned down a Rick Warren job. Yeah. And I turned down a San Diego job because I felt bad for heart cry. And I was like, oh, we were dying. We're yeah. not going to make it. Oh, it was tough. Nobody knows that. Nobody you, knows that because I don't know why they don't, but it was That was tough. 10 years in. Yeah. And I get there, and I'm not going to take any credit, but there yeah. was all of a sudden this favor. Yeah. We went from like 80 to 150 to 250 yeah. to 400 in the span of a year. Yeah, we did. And then we and then we got the property. I mean, yeah. so I try to tell my leaders of my church, you never, I mean, in the blink of an eye, all of a sudden all this stuff clicks. Well, that's how God works. And this is what I can say looking back over 60 years. My whole life has been this, nothing, 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 bam. Mm. And now I've learned to live for those bams. So when I'm in the nothing, 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 I still know it's coming. I mean, look, I mean, like you said, all of a sudden we had 20 acres. All of a sudden we had buildings. All of a sudden we had another building. All of a sudden we have a school. All of a sudden we gave 1.5 million to missions. Mm-hmm. And I can remember sitting at the table with the banker going, you're 80,000 in the hole. We're going to shut you down. And I'm like, <laughs> we are? Right. Yeah. And so nothing, 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 bam. So I... At 60 now, I love the BAMs, mm-hmm. but I'm also worried who's going to take over for me. I yeah. mean, that's a scary thing because everybody is talking about who's next. Yeah. I'm scared to, I'm, help me with this. I'm scared to live for the BAMs because then. Yeah, you don't, you don't live for them, but they're, when they come, you rejoice in them. Okay. Yeah. I have a little saying that I say, God always outdoes his next over his last. Mm. You keep on getting better. Yeah, keep on getting. God better. always outdoes his his always. God always outdoes his next over his last. Okay, that makes yep. sense. Yep. Man, the dogs found a way to get in. It's all right. Um, yeah. So you just have to wait for those, and you, but at sixty, I do. I worry. Like, I mean, we have a membership class uh, tomorrow night, Friday night, and they're like, the question I always get, Pastor, who's going to take over for you? Because mm-hmm. you're sixty now. Like pastors, is there a magical number? I don't know. My number is when I'm not relevant and we're not growing, I'm not going to outlive my ministry. In other words, I want to be gone before it goes bad. Mm-hmm. Too many pastors stay there and kill the church and then they leave. Right. So in your 60s, you're looking ahead going, okay, so now our prayer as our family is, okay, God, show us, you know, I'd like to, I would like to work with somebody three or four or five years up to my 65s and then hand them, you know, they're with me. Yeah. But I don't know what God's going to do. We're just going to have to see. It's going to be an interesting decade. Yeah, it's interesting too because uh, you know I had already, I have my own church yeah that I'm seeking to plant or I have already planted but nurture and grow right um, and I off I feel like a lot of times the father to son thing it's so hard because I'm not you and no, so I know. they would expect the next guy to be like you you know no I don't think that though I think people are getting I think there's a time where they get tired of what they have and they want something different. And plus the people that brought up with me, now all of these new people with the school and everything, we have a different crowd. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, but God's good and he'll, we'll figure it out. But it's, life is, it's, it's fun that way, especially in the ministry. Mm-hmm. You know, to be able to see your exit, because you really never retire the ministry. You just don't. So when I talk to most pastors, they can't fathom doing pastoral ministry their whole life. They have like a fantasy that they'll yeah. do it for 20 years and, you know, I don't at think it's possible. Forty-five or at fifty, they'll stop and then they'll help. They'll like do, be pastor to pastors or the hardest evangelist thing, financially. Or, you can't it, it, as a pastor. I don't think. I mean, if I only lived on what I make it as a pastor, mm. I you can't ever quit. That's why you have to start planting seeds mm, that right. are extra uh, over and above investments. Because, I mean, at forty-five, a pastor that's pastored 20, 25 years, it'd be tough. Oh yeah. Well, they would get another job. I'm saying, but yeah. they would just—they just get so tired well, from being a pastor. Have you ever? Do you feel that? Or are you excited I, every day? Still? No, I'm excited, and here's why. Here's the difference between me and that guy that you're talking about. Yeah. If you're ever going to achieve your dream, you better get yourself a really good team. Look, you're rhyming like you're. Son. I know. I think you got it from me. <laughs> and I have a good team. I mean, I do. I have a good team. I got great elders, deacons, staff, administrators. Everybody is. If you're ever going to get to your dream, you better have a great team. Mm-hmm. And that keeps me fresh. I don't have to worry about the mundane stuff. And then when I say mundane, you know, 
what color is the carpet going to be or, you know, what's, what's, I don't know the schedule. I know that, I don't know. I just know I show up on Sunday and I get to preach and I do a couple other little things, but you have to get a team to keep you fresh. If you're doing it all, you're not going to make it. So that's the argument I have for smaller church pastors. It's it is hard. hard because you're the, you are doing a lot of those things. You that are. You're not gifted towards, called to, but right. who else is going to do well, it? Well, you have to find the, the streams. But there had to have been a time in your ministry where you were the one that had to do it. Oh, right? I did. I did. I did it all. But I immediately start looking for the stream that's going to fill my river. Yeah. I just do. That's how I always was in business, too. I'd pick out the best managers and the best project managers and the best, you know, of every trade that I have and make them in charge so I didn't have to be. What happens when you can't afford them? That's when you have faith and say, God, drop some seed. He'll do it. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, you know the maybe, Every time you've grown, is it, did you make a hire and then grow or do you grow and then make a hire? Both. Both. Okay. You do have to hire to grow. But a lot of times you'll grow and then you have to hire. That's where we are now. Mm. Yeah. Okay. It goes both ways. You just have to be a good manager of when to pull that trigger. Right. Yep. And I was blessed in finances and business because that's what I did for you know most of my life. So when I got to the church, I, I ran it like a business. Mm. Percentages are big for me. I'm, you know me, I'm good with numbers. Right. So that's how I did it. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else on that notebook you want to share? No, I just had Any my journal from yesterday. Um, no. Uh, so they say 70s is succession. Who will carry on what I've been doing? Right. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, we're approaching that again, 60 right now, so that's kind of weird, but yeah. Yeah, is there uh do you think, I guess maybe you already said this, is there some magical number, or you're saying no? Irrelevant. Gonna, yeah, yeah, when I become irrelevant, or, or when I wake up and go, I don't want to do this anymore. Gotcha. You know, besides the Monday morning, I don't want to do this anymore. But the real, hey, I think I don't want to do this anymore. The weight of it, mm -hmm. as you know, the weight gets really heavy. Yeah. Uh, once once I hit that, you know, I mean, it's coming. I like to say ministry isn't hard. It's not always hard, but it's, it's heavy. always heavy. It's always heavy. Yeah, it's heavy. So I was listening to this pastor talk about the Olympic athletes. Yep. And he said, uh, what separates like the gold from the bronze? Like, how do those people get to gold? Mm-hmm. All of them have the same work ethic. Like, if you're on that stage, yeah. you're representing, you're getting a medal. Right. You work hard. Right. I mean, there's... Is it effort? It's rest. Rest. Strategic rest. Hmm. Those who rest well. Huh, okay. Those who understand, which I would argue for you, yeah. flying planes, yeah. you know, yeah. enjoying motorcycle, like just getting, like getting your right. mind... Right, turning it off the switch. Yeah, because yeah. it's so heavy, it finding is. avenues to alleviate. Right can help you go further faster. Yeah, yeah. I'd say that's probably right. Yeah, I, I'm able to turn it off now. It took me a few years, but I can turn it off now mm. and go do something else. You know, yeah. that's why I sit on the back of a mule. When I'm on a mule, I'm focused between those two ears right there. I'm not thinking about, you know, all the troubles that everybody's going through and how I'm going to help them. I'm thinking about, okay, I'm going to ride him. I'm going to go catch that cow, and I'm going to put it in the pen. Yeah. And that's, I love that. Yeah. You know, if I'm flying an airplane, I better be paying attention or, you know, Sudden stop when right. you hit the ground can hurt you a little bit. Yeah. And so I'm focused there and everything else is turned off. And I think that you have to find that. That's what I love about golf. You can just focus on the next yeah. shot. It's just. My temper won't let me play golf. <laughs> we used to play golf all the time together. I, I know. I just can't take it anymore. Yeah. I wish I had more hobbies like that, but yeah. uh, that's fun. Um, you remember we did a podcast way back in the day and I asked you, uh, man, how did I ask it? what do you see I'm doing wrong or something like that? Do you remember? And you called me out for um, like looking down. Remember? Like uh, looking melancholy. Oh, okay. Yeah. Remember this? Yeah, I, I think wanna, so. Now that we're a few years back, I want to get some context. Yeah. So I planted a church, but I was still your computer boy on Sunday nights at Cowboy Church. Oh, right. Which who does that? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I was just running slides. But I had to go through the pain of some people coming to my church on Sundays for a little bit. And then they stopped coming. And, and then, then you'd they were, see him at Cowboy Church? I'd see him at Cowboy Church. Yeah, that's Church. hard. And so I had to act happy and good, and I was, because I'm like, well, if they're going to go anywhere, I'd rather them go here. Like, logic, I of know. course, it's I fine. Know. That's hard. But that was a humiliating, hard season. It is hard. I know. I get that. But I appreciated how you called me out on the podcast. You're like, you look down. like you're, And yeah. you always saw the worst version of me, because that was... Can you imagine hanging oh, out I with know. all the people who backstab? You know, I, I don't know. want to say backstab, but you get what but I'm saying. But hurt you. Yeah, they yeah. hurt you. Yeah, that's yeah. hard. 
I, I, to this day, when people hurt me like that, I forget their name and I don't even know who they are anymore. And I have, <laughs> and I have the best memory in the planet. Right. You know that. I mean, they could walk by and I'm like, I have no idea who that is. I write them <laughs> off because I can't let them keep continue to hurt me. Yeah. So I get the pain. Yeah. I just grateful retrospectively. I think it helped build my character and build some of my stamina and endurance. Yeah. Learning to face them it, it and does. smile at them, even though I always didn't do the best job at that. Yeah. And let God do it. And that's what I had to learn. You know what? Let God take care of them, either good or bad, whatever. Yeah. It's up to God. Yeah. And what I've had to learn, again, going back and probably wearing this out. Lean into the mic a little bit more. What, what I've had to learn is that they're just not part of my stream. Mm. And once I understood that, it's like, okay. Oh, okay. Last question. Sorry I'm keeping you so long. Uh, do you feel like, because I feel like this is a part of the story that we haven't mentioned on this podcast. You grew once you were like, I'm done. Right. That's true. I've tried this That's true. over and over. I'm at the end of my rope. Yep. Whatever. Because it goes back to my formula again. I was trying to prove. And once I figured out I couldn't prove that I could do it, I quit. In fact, I told everybody, in two weeks, we're, clo we're closing our church. We're done. And we had paid rent out a month, so we had two weeks to go. And in those two weeks, we doubled in size. We went from 47 to like 89 or something. And I'm like, really? Mm. But it goes back to my formula. Instead of me proving, I had to let God prove it. I had to get in his presence, present myself, Romans 12, present yourself a living sacrifice. So I had to present myself and transform myself. I was still thinking the way the world thinks about business, the way the world thinks about growing a church. I was trying to do it like Rick Warren and whoever else. Yeah. Once I said, I am done, God transformed me and said, okay, Billy, now be Billy and do it. Mm -hmm. And then we, ne we have never stopped growing. Hmm. And that was a turning point where I just said, I'm done. I didn't, I couldn't care less. Yeah. I'm done. Remember that? Yeah. And then, I was in college. Yep. And then for two weeks we came together and we doubled and then everybody's like, let's go another week. Let's go another week. And now we're, you know, hmm. yeah. in the thousands. And so I don't know. I, I had to, that formula worked for me. I, I couldn't prove it. God had to prove and he had to do the proving. I just had to present myself a living sacrifice and be transformed. Yeah. I was trying to do it like everybody else. And it wasn't, I wasn't everybody else. Right. I would sit in seminary and I'd hear all these really super smart guys and I'd try to be like them. I'm not, mm -hmm. but I'm relational and I love people and I honor people and respect people. And that's what grew our church. I've, our motto for our leadership team this year has been dazzled or disappointed. Mm. And so this idea that we risk, we pray big prayers, we assume, we expect big things. So much so that if it doesn't happen, we're like, we're really down. Like, well, wait for it to come. It'll come. Yeah, but but it's also, I feel like faith is being willing to be disappointed. It is. Willing to risk and look foolish. Yep. But when he does pull through, it's, yeah. wow, it look is. at this. I love the BAMs, I'm telling you. Yeah. And they do come. Hmm. They do come. If you're faithful, yeah, they do come. Faith is believe it is so and it ain't so, so it'll be so. And you got to just live by that. Yeah, I, I mean, there's different metrics. I think there's been different BAMs in my church plant history so far. Well, I mean, your book is a BAM. Your podcast is a BAM. You have a lot of BAMs. We go anywhere. They know you. They don't know me. <laughs> I feel like the little stepchild walking around. Everybody, hey, Trey, who's that guy? Oh, that's my dad. Yeah. Only the, you know. He's... No, but that's the one thing that has helped me, having a YouTube kind yeah. of like online ministry. It's kind of like your other avenue that you had with your business. It's often, it's kind of funny when, when church is doing well, my channel's not doing that great. But right. then when church is kind of in a stall and hard, my channel does well. It's like right. always nice that I have favor in some category. And one other thing I want to say to that too, Trey, is that I wanted to remind you of this. And, and I learned this from Papa. I know how much you respected him too. My first 13 years, if there was a place to speak or preach or bury someone or marry someone, I was there. Mm. For seven years, every Wednesday night, I drove three and a half hours to preach to 10 people for seven years, every Wednesday night. Mm. Remember that? Yep. And so, and then I would call every funeral home in town and say, if there's anybody that needs a preacher, I'm the one. Wedding halls, if there's anybody, and now I won't do a wedding unless you pay me $3 million. But <laughs> back then, you follow what I'm saying? Yeah. I did everything I could to get out there, and that's what you do on this. We didn't have this. Yeah. We didn't have computers and podcasts, and I had to go. Yeah. So I, that's what I appreciate you doing this, because you're reaching more people in one minute than I did in five years. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I don't know. My views have been down, but <laughs> well, I would drive three hours for yeah, seven to ten people. Yeah, and Papa would too, and he would too, and I'd go with him a lot before I was a pastor, mm. and that's where I learned that. But I would go far and wide to, to to preach and get some exposure. Yeah, and I did. Remember, I did prison ministry for five years in the death row. Right, and that's where I practiced how to preach before I started the church. Right. Yeah. But you can do it in one second now. What it took me years to do. Yeah. But it's the reps, it's the craft. I, I'm grateful, you know, my church has never blown up like I thought it would. It will. But uh, I've just been grateful. Just I feel like my family life is super healthy. Good. Um, I feel like. I, I would encourage you guys. Yeah, encourage all you young pastors. You got to keep going. I mean, and you know, if, I, if, if God blessed us, he can bless anybody. I mean, you can do it. You just got to... It took 13 years. You're, what, seven right now? Yeah. You're halfway? Almost eight. Almost eight. So you got a long ways to go. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, joy. (laughs) I'm just saying. No, we were learning from James 5 this last Sunday, and I said, because James and Jesus points to the prophets. They do. Look to him, and that's that's going to be a reward. That's right. The prophets had terrible ministries. Oh, I know. They had to preach. You know, everybody loves to hear I am, send me in Isaiah 6. And yeah. then he says, and go to a people who's not going to hear. They're not right. going to listen. They're not going to understand. But yeah. have fun. But have, yeah, Noah, get eight of them. Yeah. Yeah. For 120 years, you got eight converts. Pretty right. good. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I my my encouragement was, you know, we hear the word of the Lord before we ever see the work of the Lord. We do. But we act upon that word. And you got to keep going. we don't see it. And the bam will come. Hmm. The BAM will come. Maybe that's the, the title of this, this one. Yep. Well, happy birthday, Father. Yeah, 60 years old. Pray I make it. Hope I can get my cane and get out of here. <laughs> I guess to in some degree you experienced this kind of with Papa having a big shadow. Yeah. But I have quite the, <clears throat> I have quite a shadow that I'm under with your... But I'm not sure it's a good shadow. I don't think anybody likes me like uh, they like you. No, no. I, I think you just like to play self-deprecator even though really? it's not true. I don't yeah. know. What is that? Possum? Is that the... He's just playing possum again. Remember that MLB umpire told you that? Oh, no, yeah. Billy's just playing possum. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's just, but yeah, I just, I love you, Dad, and I'm grateful for, yeah. I mean, we have, my family's blessed because of you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Our good. church is blessed because of you and your leadership. Yeah. Um, yeah, I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah, it's good. God, God loves us. He's good for us. Yeah, happy birthday. All right, let's do it again. All right, guys, comment below uh, any of your takeaways. Hopefully you were taking notes because there was a lot there. Grace and peace.